Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with your co-host, Luca Halex. Today we come to you live from our living rooms. Well, Luca's in her living room. I'm in my office. We're streaming to you from CJSF up on the top of Burnaby Mountain. And as we dive into this week where we're going to just be present with the massive shifts that are happening around the world and Luca and I are just going to chat about what we've been encountering, what we've been learning, um, resources and more, um, it's really important to begin today with the acknowledgement of where we are coming to you from. We are sitting on the unceded ancestral territories of the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, the Coquitlam, and the Musqueam bands. And this is more important than ever to acknowledge while the world is rising up to say no more. And what is it that we're saying no more of? So this would be one example of the no more. Uh, no more appropriating of land and culture and customs. No more uh, destruction of a people for the sake of being that people. Um, not for the sake of, but because they are that people. You know, essentially genocide. And all of these things are weighty. All of these things have happened in Canada. And we live here in this country now. This is where we are now. But to find our way forward, we have to be willing to look at what is real and what is true about the past so that we can find our way forward. So Luca and I have just taken some time to reconnect before we actually started um, preparing for this um, show to gather some of the resources and things that we have come across over the last week while we have been paying rapt attention, as I'm sure pretty much everybody has, to the evolutions that are underway. The evolutions, the revolutions. And this world is in so much flux right now. This world has needed to be in flux. And it is still a hard and painful thing to go through. So we thought we would uh, connect in both as friends today, as we're sharing with each other, but then also sharing forward what it is that is our learning edge, um, since this is what we have to offer today. Luca, what's been standing out to you? Well, I was, I was just going to say that this is a it's we're not we're sitting on an edge but we're sitting on an edge for life right this is a process this is not an event so it's very tempting to think because it's all in the media at the moment um that this is you know black lives matter weekend um or month in or a year or what but but this this will be ongoing we didn't Mm -hmm. get here where we are in a day um it took a long time to get here and and I'm not. I I hope I hope we're not in a situation where it's going to take as many years to change it as it took us years to get here. But um, but what we what you and I have been learning about over this last week is a is a continuation of what we've been learning for quite a while now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by by connecting in just by connecting into our community as a starting place. Mm-hmm. Um. And and so. Uh, the, the, the resources that we're sharing and the 
and that attitude of, of essential curiosity because it's not, it's not idle curiosity. This is essential. We need to be curious mm-hmm. about this topic. Um, and that it is as, I mean, this can't be narrowed down to anything that's binary. It's not, this is right and this is wrong. This is, um, I was, I was listening to a, a broadcast, um, this week. It was a panel of, of women. Um, I think it was six women, um, and the moderator. Um, and it was, it, the, the group was called Feminists Deliver. And the, the panel discussion was called Resistance and Resurgence, Confronting Anti-Black Racism in Canada. Um, but, and it was two hours long. It was absolutely fascinating to, to listen to and, and very instructive and, um, awareness creating. Um, but they weren't doing it for me, a white person. They were, they were doing it to and for one another. And they asked us as we came in to listen to this, and we were invited to be part of this, to um, to not comment. Mm-hmm. We, so we were not seen on the screen. We did not comment. And it was um, uh, the first time, I think, in my life that I have um, been privileged to listen to a group of um, Black women, and, and in this case, um, uh, all but one of them were in Canada. So there was one woman who was sitting in, in London in the UK um, to listen to them talk to one another to, about, about what matters to them without censoring it or mm-hmm. explaining it for a white person listening. Right. And it was, it was so refreshing not to have anybody else's perspective coming in and diluting what they had to say to one another. Mm-hmm. And they said it in the way that was natural for them. And I don't even know that I could say what made it different, uh, right. but it, but it was their way and Absolutely. whatever that is. And I don't need to define it. It's not mine to define. Uh, but it, but it was so, um, it, it was eye opening for me. And, and I came away afterwards. There were a few times when I got quite tearful. I came away feeling that, it had been a privilege for me to be there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though they'll never even know. They just see me as a number. They wouldn't know who I was and they don't need to. It's not about me. It's about, it's about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I came away from this discussion with is that this is, this is broad and deep and, and it's, it's not unidimensional. There's, there are, um, you know, the, the group that presented this is Feminists Deliver and, and, um, th- this, this isn't just an issue of race. It's also, it's also, a, a, uh, an issue of gender. It's an issue of, um, of, um, male and, male and female, um, in terms of feminism. Um, and it, it's it it's an it's an issue of societal systems it's an issue of the the media it's like oh, there are so many different facets to this that there's i mean you can you can you can study your whole life and still not have all of this information and so i think a lot of a lot of people who are um having their awareness awakened at the moment are looking at this and thinking, oh my God, where do I start? 
Mm-hmm. Right. And, and not know some, somehow knowing that it's a, it's broad and, and wide and swift flowing and has eddies and currents and, um, but not knowing exactly how. So, so I'd really like to acknowledge that we're, we're all of us, including all the people of color. We're all on a path. This is a, this is a journey and, and we're not going to do it overnight. You can't just read a book or, or listen to a panel or have one conversation and have that, that now that's enough. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not how we change the world. But all of those things are those initial first steps. And we have to take those first steps because otherwise we can't get on the journey. Yeah. So I'm honoring of those first steps. And I'm also very aware that first steps are not enough. They just begin things. It's the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, right? We've, we've come a thousand, a thousand years down this path, (laughs) you could say. So we're, we've got a long ways to go, uh, but we do need to do it together. Uh, that doesn't mean we need that the burden is equal on everybody. Um, the, for those who have been the oppressors, whether by, uh, participating or being privileged by the systems that, priv- that uh, afforded the privilege to the, you know, that's what essentially created the oppression. Um, yeah. we've got more work to do because the power yeah. is, uh, easier to our hands to access to shift the system. If we, yes. if we are not a part of dismantling that, it makes it harder for yes. the change to come. So yes, this, we have a lot of work. I have to say that I've been really encouraged over the last couple of weeks because there are, I have some close family members I um, who have one, one side where for many years um, this individual was you know, there is racism is not really a thing. Why are people still talking about this? Uh, they're just creating more problems. They're just causing division by naming it that when it's not really the issue anymore. Can we please just sort of get on with things? That was their attitude for a long time, which is a harmful attitude. It's basically like um, accusing somebody who is sick and who has not been um, acknowledged and supported by a doctor yet to just get over it, right? It doesn't actually mean that the sickness doesn't exist. It means that you do not validate another person's experience that person has now it's like they've been activated they just they suddenly they suddenly see it (laughs) and i'm so relieved to finally be able to have some common ground which i can then meet with them and then we can walk together in deeper understanding of that another family member who um has a very diverse a group of very close friends and they're young and had, had the opinion along with their friends who were also people of color um, who were saying, you know, this is really not our lived experience anymore. Like we're listening to the older generation saying, you know, this is what it is. And I don't know. It's not really that we're not like, I think it's kind of, we're making a bigger deal. Maybe we're making a mountain out of a molehill and maybe we're actually farther along than we thought. Well, they've also had a bit of an awakening of, Oh crap. This actually is active still, and it's, it is going to impact my close friends. Therefore, what is my responsibility? What's my role in this now? And for both of those um, sides, I don't think that's the right word, but for people coming from both of those areas of perspective, to now be 
at least agreed on there's something broken. It is not yet fixed. Is bottom line essential. We do not get to begin the work. We're not doing the work if we're just even arguing if there's actually a problem. And I feel like this is, thank God we can at least, there's so many more people now in the place of, oh yeah, there's a big problem. This is not okay. And we have to be engaging. And then of course, we get into the, and how do we engage? What do we do from here? Luca, I love, what was the name of the um, the online seminar that you were participating in again? Could you say that in case people want it to look it called, up? Res, it was called Resistance and Resurgence, uh, colon, Confronting Anti-Black Racism in Canada. Nice. And Good. there was a whole spectrum of um, backgrounds and ages. Two of the women have PhDs. Um, there, you know, one, one woman was, is a, is a grandmother. Um, there, uh, they were, they were really, um, uh, self-aware and articulate. And, and I, and I was very aware as I was listening to it, that they were all self-aware and articulate. It doesn't mean that the voices that are less self-aware and less articulate are less important to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings up this whole idea of if people who are experiencing the racism um, uh, can't can't describe it well enough for me to understand that they I then disqualify what they have to say, right? So so we've got uh, it brings up this whole issue, and this is this is an issue that has been much discussed. Of um, I don't get to say what the right way is for them to share their experience so that before it, like if they don't do it well enough, I don't have to react. I don't have right. to uh, deal with it. Right. Yeah. But this happened to be a group, um, a very carefully chosen group of um, aware articulate people who've been teaching about it, people who are um, activists on the community level. So it was, uh, it was, you know, particularly, um, clear for, for me to understand, but I was also very aware that, um, that it doesn't have to come that way. Right. Yeah. I need it's to a really be good open point. to it, however it comes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you, you touched lightly on this, but I think it would be good for us to go, to go even deeper on as white folk, we, we, without even thinking, take up so much space with um, this is how things should be done. This is how I'm feeling about this. Um, our processes for what those things look like. We don't even recognize that those are still rooted in our privilege, that we're so used to holding the microphone. We're so used to being the one that's called upon to voice their opinions that we don't recognize we're taking up space. And right now, the call is sit down, shut up, open your ears, and and be ready to to step in support where in, invited where where we're effective because we do not need to lead this. <laughs> we don't need to lead this, and frankly, our emotions about this are so are, are they're kind of passe. Like it's it's super we're super over it. <laughs> like we may have a lot of processing to do because for those folk who are just acquainting with. This is still a problem. They will have an emotional response. 
like we talked about in our show last week, the whole centering of your identity. And I want to be a safe person and recognizing that we are not a safe person, whether by, by default, just because of the privilege that we, that we carry with us in society and our obliviousness to so many things. And, and that's painful. That's a grieving. And it's right and appropriate for us to feel those feelings and to process them, but we don't need to do it uh, by leaning on our people of color friends. Our friends of color would be a better way of saying that by leaning on our friends of color or our colleagues of color. Um, we don't need to be posting about it online in the hopes that somebody who has a lived experience in this will come by and make us feel better. That's taking, no, they're fighting for their lives right now. They're fighting for their breath, quite literally, and we do not need to be taken care of us. So we can take care of each other. We can be supporting each other. And that's, I think, really where, where, Luca, where you and I are aiming to pass things forward today. This is our area where we can help, and that is by forwarding resources and supports for our families, connections, networks, etc. Because um, while I do have a lovely, beautiful, diverse set of friends and colleagues, I, I will own and admit that it is still primarily white. And so I will help to do the work amongst um, my fellow white folk uh, to, to bring this forward. So some of the things that um, you mentioned a book, I think, uh, that was called White Fragility. Right. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I was I had a, an, an interesting conversation this week with a, a First Nations woman, and she said that she was asking her uh, white friends to read two books. She said, that's the only thing I asked of them is that they read two books. One of them was called uh, My Grandmother's Hands and the other one was called White Fragility. Mm hmm. And so I have them on my reading list and I'm trying to source them through the library. And I've, I've noticed I get, um, e emails from the Vancouver Public Library and they are in the process of really expanding their digital collection right mm -hmm. now because they are, they have been closed to the public in terms of people coming into the physical spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, but even, even in their physical books, they're, they've been doing a good job of, of expanding their um the, the the collection that they have that is on these topics mm -hmm. and talks that they have uh, people who come in um they they had um an indigenous writer in residence um a couple years ago might even have been last year but they, but you know there that it, it it is a resource that's available to us that we that we're already paying for in our taxes yeah absolutely so, so yeah. you don't even necessarily have to go out and buy these books. You can, you can go and get them from the library and, and read them and discuss them. Yeah. Although I have to say that especially if the authors are people of color, we would do well to put our money. Oh, because it's into, If we them. can. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. If, if we've got we the have, money. If we have the resources available. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about white fragility for a bit. I know that you haven't read the book yet, but, um, no. what, What's your understanding of it? Would you like to meet a foray in there? Um, I I think, um, and and I'm and I may be because because I clearly I don't know what's in the book yet. But but my concept of my fragility as a white person is that 
um, and this, and I've heard this discussed several times on, on by people who've been recorded and and then um, shared on the internet, is that um, our egos are involved in whether or not we're good people. Mm-hmm. Am I a good person? And part of being a good person is not being racist. Mm-hmm. And so, but I can only not be racist to the extent that I am aware. And my mm-hmm. culture, the culture in which we live on the planet is pro-white mm-hmm. and white privilege. And so uh, the likelihood that I will be aware enough is pretty low. <laughs> so so that means that I have some responsibility to go out and and look for this stuff. But if somebody turns around and says to me that was a racist comment or they might say to me you're racist. Mm-hmm. IE that's a major statement about my character and and so if I take it that way personally um my my um my tendency will be to defend myself and to go into paroxysms of guilt um, and 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 want to react in some way but feel like I don't have the tools to do it with mm-hmm. and that that is that if if I'm then expecting other people to look after me in that state mm-hmm. and not put me in that state, then I'm limiting my own possibilities for learning i'm mm-hmm. I'm acknowledging here that um, as a white person, I feel fragile around my ignorance and what's in my blind spot. You know what this and is what making I think me it means think of? I've never, I've never, I've never put these two thoughts together before. This is brand new for me. Um, I have talked before. I don't remember if I've talked on air, but I know I've talked with you, Luca, before about how mental illness, um, which is present. We all experience it to one degree or another in our life. It's just like colds. We all, you know, this is stuff that we all go through. Um, mental illness in itself is not, is not a problem. Just like having, having an illness is not a problem, but getting the right support or not or refusing to is what can, uh, make a situation, um, managed, decent, recoverable, supported, whatever. I don't know what the right terms are going to be for, for this versus, uh, not. (laughs) And I'm thinking that when when there is a severe mental illness that is not being supported, so a person may not be acknowledging it in themselves, they may not be accessing or may not have access to resources or supports that would help them. So we don't have to put the locus of, of the problem on the person. It could also be society that is not supporting them. But if they are not accessing the resources or supports, then what inevitably ends up happening is that the mental illness, the burden of managing the mental illness is exported to the people around because it cannot be managed. It's not being managed by the person. Therefore, the people that are in their, pardon me, their proximity, whether it be family members, community members, coworkers, what have you, they are the ones that are then needing to manage the situations so that a person will not um, whatever with their go down the, the rabbit hole or get triggered or, 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 or in some ways it's a bit like white fragility. If we are not doing our own personal work, I mean, if we start from a thing of we've all got it, right? We've all got guilt. We've all got shame. We've all got pain that we will feel. We meaning white folk that we feel around racism. Hopefully we all feel these things. They're appropriate emotions for um, the pain that has been wrought 
through the racism and the systemic um, oppression down through the years. If we're not accessing good supports, and by that I don't mean leaning on people of color around us. I mean actually doing the learning, doing the growing, doing the processing of our of our our own Shift, craft, shifting our perspectives. Yeah, then we are in essence offloading that burden to the people around us, and it will either be other. Um, white folk who are doing the work and who are now trying to make up the difference for you, which is still a more appropriate response than what often happens, which is the people of color who are in our vicinity, who are, because we're too sensitive, because we can't handle the, we can't handle the truth, <laughs> you know, we go into tears, we go into guilt, we go into shame, and they're needing to manage the situations around us. And that's leaving all of that burden on them. It's not okay in the same way that, um, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I'm feeling. Maybe this is a really good crossover example. Maybe this is a bit of a shocking one, but I'm realizing that there are parallels. So, yeah, um, right, white fragility is something we need to address, but we don't address it by trying to disown the feelings that are real. It's about going to the appropriate places to get support, taking it home. Hey, there's times as a, as a mature, responsible adult, if I've got kids and my kids are freaking out about something, I don't freak out alongside them and then put the attention on me and make it about me. That's ridiculous. Um, the kids need to have space to do their thing, but there I'm recognizing a difference in power. I'm not talking about actual maturity when I'm trying to make this parallel here. I'm talking about the dynamic of power. If I make it about me, I have claimed all the air in the room. The kids don't get heard. They don't get supported. They don't get the autonomy to learn and to grow. It's all about me. And likewise with, with white fragility, we need to take it home. We need to take it away from whatever the situation is that we've felt triggered by. Because it's not about us right now. But you do need to do that work, but you need to do it elsewhere. You need to do it with different supports. And so some of those supports will be found by educating ourselves through these books. Because so much of our pain, the guilt and the shame, also comes from perspective. This is, this is a root in um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Your emotions are directly linked to your thoughts. They're also linked to situations. They're linked to actions. By wanting to change any one of those things, you start to create a ripple effect in the other one. So if you want to feel differently, which we do, who wants to stay feeling guilt, shame, pain, grief? Um, these things are real, but we can also go into the thoughts behind them. So we can dig in. So I've, I am, I'm not going to say I've made my peace. I'm making my peace around my colonizing past. I'm half British and then half the other half is other colonizers from, from other places in the world. And while they didn't, um, my specific ancestors did not colonize Canada, eh, you know, their friends did, <laughs> you know, it was, we were all connected. So I can't turn away from that. I need to look at it straight on. And yes, no, it wasn't me that did that. However, here I am, whatever actions of my ancestors have, have um, come down to me through the years, some of it is privileged. Um, some of it's access to resources or knowledge or education that got passed forward, perspectives, etc. family health, all of that got passed forward to me one way or another, for better or for worse. This also, and therefore it is a legacy that fought, comes to me and it is 
within my power. I could consider it a burden or I can consider it in my power to change the narrative now. The way we look at it can shift our feelings about it so much. And so by doing that education, we can really shift things. So you mentioned a couple of books and I've got a couple of links that I will um, we'll send out through Facebook. We'll also send out through our Twitter account, which you can find. You can find us on Facebook at Essential Conversations, and we spell S- essential as essence, T-I-A-L. So it's like a mishmash of a couple words there. So Essential Conversations on Facebook. We've also on Twitter at Essential Conv, because they limited the number of letters. <laughs> essence, T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V. And I'm going to tweet out... Um, a link that's here on Facebook to a selection of books. And I think movies are also a part of it. That is anti-racist literature. <laughs> They've got an anti-racist literature starter kit. And it's got books like White Fragility, the one you just talked about, uh, Luca, is on there. Uh, Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram uh, Kendi. Uh, People's, a P- People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn is also there. So you want to talk about race by Ijeoma uh, Olua, or Oluo, and I may be getting those names right, and I am sorry, I haven't practiced them. Um, then we've got an anti-racist literature intermediate kit. So if you feel like you've kind of got a grasp on this and you're ready to go deeper, I probably would be falling in here, intermediate. The Burning House, The New Jim Crow. The Condemnation of Blackness. These are just book titles. Dying of Whiteness. A Different Mirror. And How to Be an Anti-Racist. Then we've got an anti-racist literature topic specifics, where it's going into specific areas, such as poverty and housing, police violence, and mass incarceration, education, colonialism, ahistoricism, Another one on education, discrimination, and bias, on segregation, on housing, discrimination, and redlining, and voter suppression, and black, black voting. There's a whole bunch of books here, so we'll send that list out. This originates from somebody named uh, Victoria Alexander, who is not, I'm not directly connected to them, so I don't want to claim anything like that. But there is a mass ton of books here that can get us going, and there is a lot that's available even if you start looking on um, on Netflix or Crave or whatever streaming stuff you have. If you hunt, you're going to find documentaries or movies that are centered on black stories that that will do that education, that will show it from a different perspective, that can help to shift your understanding and can create um, help you create the space to, to uh, the practice of just listening of listening to black voices, listening to people of color's voices. And in Canada, of course, this also includes listening to indigenous voices, listening to their stories. Um, since we have an especial uh, blind spot to that in Canada. I've, I've been finding it really interesting to it come, comes back to this idea of stories and how we um, share learning and experiences and perspectives through storytelling and um and i love i love storytelling from from any kind of source um because it's storytelling and and we you know i remember being a kid and settling back um my favorite time in school was story time 
uh, because I got to go into another world and see it through a different lens. Um, and I think that we're seeing more um, films coming out now. It's it's easier because we've got access to a to a phone, a smartphone in our hands that allows us to make good quality film. We're getting access to more different perspectives, yeah. and and I and also podcasting. There's um, I listened to a podcast the uh, day before yesterday, uh, and it was. Um, the, the podcast show was called So Much to Do. And the, this particular conversation was called A Conversation with Maya Rupert, who is a, a, a person of color in the United States, working a lot with, um, poli- within politics. And, and it was a half hour conversation, but very, very interesting for me. And she, she said that there are a lot of people who are willing who um, who are aware that that they don't know enough and that they could be part of the problem, um, and I and I'm not saying that they only could be, but they they may be willing to entertain the possibility that they could be. So they're they're at least beginning to be open, and yet um, all of the things that are that are being brought to the fore at the moment, so that they can see it and listen to it and and um, experience other people's perspectives. Are, are shocking them and making them feel guilty and, um, and bringing to light how much privilege they have and how it has been abused historically and is being abused at the moment. And she said that it would feel really good for her to be able to blast them, to, <laughs> to go there in righteous indignation and... Uh, and tell them what jerks they're being and and um, and and take them down a peg and, and feel good about it so so she was saying that it 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 would make her feel good for a moment mm. but it but her ultimate aim is to change things and I don't know if she used the word shaming but but um to blast somebody like that uh, doesn't necessarily further the conversation. It doesn't necessarily further the cause. Um, and, and she said that the message that she wanted to get out and the, the, it was a white guy who was interviewing her. He was saying that uh, both of them were saying that, that they, they want, people to use the power they have. It's not that they want, they want the person to take their privilege and shelve it. They want them to use their privilege um, uh, judiciously to, mm-hmm. to move forward um, and, and change how people are seeing things, right? Yeah. So our, our tendency when, when we feel ashamed, those of us who, who have some shame around this, right, is to say, oh, my God, I should shut up. And in, on, in one way, we should shut up. But in another way, we need to be doing things like we're doing today, which is to talk about this. And also to point, point over to good voices to be listening to. Yes. So it's not a matter of creating a, a, um, a silence that's sort of yes. this, an absence of something. It's a just push pushing forward yeah. yes. yes up so use you to use our privilege 
it for for something other than what we've been using it for so far to be to be more aware of the privilege that we have mm-hmm. and the ways in which we have it and then start to change um that in society so that it begins to have a chain a, a, a sort of a knock-on effect yeah. uh, as it as it goes out into the world and i do believe that we're that every little change matters. Yeah. Every little bit of awareness that we get that moves us forward matters. Yeah, it's very true. I feel like it's time for a song. So we've chosen Andra Day's Rise Up as our first song today. Let's take a, a listen to that and we will be back in just a few minutes. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round you can't find a fighter But I see it in you So we gon' walk it out Move mountains We gon' walk it out And move mountains And I'll rise up I'll rise like the Silence is quiet And it feels like it's getting hard to breathe And I know you feel like dying But I promise we would take the world to its feet Move our days Bring it to its feet I will rise, 
Listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just listened to Andra Day's Rise Up. That was beautiful. Yeah. I enjoyed that. An amazing voice. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it brings up this idea for me of hope. Of um, I, We don't want to just rest in hope and be hopeful that everything will change. Because we, we need to combine that with actions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I also think that it's important for us not to lose hope that, uh, and this is one of the things that, that the women on the panel were saying when I was listening to them, that, um, that, that we've got, um, so many resources within all of the communities that, that we represent, right? And if we bring all of those resources to the table, we can we can change anything so we have to believe it's possible to make these changes otherwise we'll we'll dissolve into despair and and for for all of the groups all of the groups and we happen to be talking about black lives mattering at the moment but but in anybody who has been disenfranchised they've been carrying it for too long on their own mm-hmm. Uh, without enough power to do something about it. And so now we, we all need to step into this dance together. And that reminds me, just, just in case anybody who's listening is still perhaps having uh, the phrase Black Lives Matter is rubbing them the wrong way and they, and they feel that uprising to say all lives matter. Another way of understanding why this phrase has become so key is just think about when we would say oh, we need to save the rainforest. When we would say save the rainforest, nobody's saying, yeah, but we also need to save the oases or we also need to save the palm trees in California. And the point is, and they're not saying the rainforests are the only trees or the only trees that matter. It's that we're calling attention to where there's an especial vulnerability right now. And that if we don't pay attention to that especial vulnerability, we're going to lose more. And it's not okay. And so it's just a, hey, hey, it's burning here. Let's please make sure we send the water here. It's not a case of all other forests don't matter. Black Lives Matter does not say only Black Lives Matter. It's saying Black Lives Matter, Black Lives are being hurt right now. And we all need to come together to support them because all lives do matter. Right now, it just doesn't feel like Black Lives Matter. And that's why we're calling attention to it. And we're, I think we're looking at the community of the planet. And I think that for me, the, the COVID-19 and, and this virus spreading around the world has really heightened this sense of, of, um, our planetary community that we're not, 
we're not isolated. We're not, you know, it doesn't matter if there's a line on the earth that says along this parallel, we're one country on one side and another country on the other side. We're humanity around the planet and we're, we're animal life and, and ocean life and insect life around the planet. And, and, and we are a community. And if we harm any, any part of that community, we harm the whole. We are not as resilient. We're not as resourceful. And, and we're not, we, we can't create as much joy if, if we shut down pieces of ourselves. Um, so that means that, um, if we harm one part of, of our community, we're harming the whole community. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think, you know, if we come to this idea of all lives matter, matter, yes, they do all matter. And if we exclude anybody from that, then, then we, um, we harm the whole. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If we're not paying attention to somebody saying yeah. I'm hurting here. Yeah. And we've got a lot of problems that need to be faced and changed. I think, you know, so many people are talking about how the change that we need is systemic. Yeah. Um, we need to change our laws. We need to change our, our language. We need to change, um, how, how the media comes at all these different stories. We, there's so many levels on which we need to make mm-hmm. changes. And if we include everyone, then we have more resources to make these changes that, mm-hmm. that benefit all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, one of the things you touched on uh, a little while ago, Luca, you were mentioning that it's time for action. And I think, again, speaking to fellow white folk, I think there's something really important that we need to carry in our awareness. And that is that there is something that we, we may do in well-meaningness that can still be harmful when we're seeking to take action, we're seeking to, to show love, we're seeking to show support, we're seeking to demonstrate support. And when we're seeking to demonstrate support especially, it is very easy for us to fall into something called performative allyship. And performative allyship, again, I can tweet uh, out a link that speaks specifically about that, um, is basically when we're showing up um, wanting to be recognized, maybe not aware that we're wanting to be recognized, but we're wanting to show that we're on the right side of history, wanting to show we're on the right side of the team. But when we're doing that, we can so easily be led by our own ideas of what's effective and helpful and not be paying attention to, again, being led by the voices who are leading this revolution, and they are not white voices. And that is okay. That is important. Um, I remember seeing a video that came out, I think it might have even been last week, of a couple of white women, probably well-meaning meaning, you know, out there um, joining the protest, um, fully clad in their black whatevers and stuff, spray cans, spray painting on a Starbucks, BLM, Black Lives Matter, white women. And the black people who are walking by saying, what are you doing? We are going to be blamed for you graffitiing a business that is not doing anything right now. Like nobody here is fighting you. Nobody's in this place is trying to harm anybody. You are causing destruction in the name of, uh, of us, of our movement. And it, that was a performative allyship action. I've also seen, you know, 
white folk who had their phones out and saying, flip that truck. You know, they're getting all into the spirit of things, wanting to see more revolution in action, not realizing that when we, when we ask for escalation, we're not the bodies that it'll be escalated on. And there's violence happening. And so we need to be accepting leadership and instruction from the voices who are at the forefront that are not white voices, that are wisely seeking to coordinate peaceful but fundamentally revolutionary, on target with their messaging. Um, How about another song? Yeah, let's have another song. Let's, this one's a very different tenor. This right? one's a different tenor. This one is uh, by Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes. Wake up, everybody! <laughs> I I love the title and I love the energy of this of this song. So we're going to play this. We'll be back in just a few more minutes. We'll leave you with a few more resources uh, and a few more things that we have been learning ourselves as we carry forward into this week. So one more time, this is "Wake Up Everybody" by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed No more back to thinking, time for thinking ahead The world has changed so very much from what it used to be There's so much hatred, war and poverty Wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say They're the ones who's coming up and the world is in their hands When you teach the children to jump the very best can But just let it be The world won't get no better We gotta change it Just you and me Wake up all the doctors Make the old people well They're the ones who suffer And who catch all the hell But they don't have so very long Judgment day, so won't you make them happy before they pass away? Wake up, all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to do is put it in our minds. Surely things will work out, they do it every time. Just let it be The world won't get no better We gotta change it Just you and me Change again, change again 
Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We were just listening to Wake Up Everybody by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. And for the sake of some time, there's a couple more minutes of that song, and I was grooving. I didn't really want to stop it, but I know that we want to make sure that we we make sure we pass forward all of the resources that we've been collecting. Um, Luca, you just sent something over to me that we can be passing forward. You want to describe what that is to people? Yeah, it it comes from the panel that I listened to a few days ago, and it lists all the people who were on the panel and how to connect with them and also how to listen to the recording of the, uh, and I, be, I believe, I, I'm not sure whether you can listen to the recording if you weren't registered for it. So that, that part may or may not be available. I can't test it because, because right. I was, re- I was registered right. for it. But even um, if you weren't, uh, you know, if you, if you knew about it later, you can always write to the organizers offer to pay something to access it. I'm sure they would be very happy to yeah. make it available. And they have a, they have a Facebook page. So um, that information is in there and also um, h- how to reach those people people so uh, for other things that they have uh, available some of the people have written books um, they're all um, well connected and and have int- very interesting things to share yeah uh, so I so I recommend it uh, for my side I've also got another list of books that is um, actually indigenous authors and their books I think um, especially in Canada, since we're giving equal time and attention to the fact that um, our unique uh, weak point here, not in a good way, is our blind spot to the uh, racism that is still held, still practiced against uh, Indigenous peoples across this country. And so this book list uh, gives you some reading from Indigenous uh, authors about insights into their lives. Again, perspectives, education that equips us to um to be able to be um in in awareness and not in ignorance uh there's also there's a link here to um a, a place where you can c- contribute to the bail funds for people in the US 
who have been arrested uh, because of the protests, peaceful protests. And I thought that is fascinating to when, if you do not feel able to go out in public, that is not your zone, but you are appreciative for the people who are marching and recognizing that the system still does not support their marching for their rights. And the system is oppressing them while they do that. Then one way of contributing and making a difference is to contribute to their bail funds so that they don't sit in jail while they stand up for the rights of not only themselves, but for others. And I think that is a fantastic thing to keep in mind. And there was one more. So if we, you know what, when you do a a Google of just, you know, (laughs) white people, what should we do? You'll find articles that have been written by people. There's some wonderful stuff. Give ideas so that you're not falling into performative allyship, that you're falling into actual useful actions. And one of the things that I stumbled across this last week that I thought was a really unique way of approaching it was a, there's a uh, website for, I think they're, they're located in the States, Canada, Europe, Africa. It's called afrobiz.ca. And when I go on this site, I'm able to search um, Vancouver businesses that are run and owned by black folk. And so I can deliberately go there. I did this. I was like, oh, what's what's in here? I uh, checked to see if uh, some of my friends were in there, pass it forward because I'd love to see their names on there. I'm not sure if that's what they would like for themselves, but it's an option. But it gives me the choice to choose to support uh, a black entrepreneur that is local. Uh, and again, that's one of those ways in which we use our privilege to vote, <laughs> to vote practically and to support. Yeah. It's another I, option. I, I highly recommend to everyone of you who are listening to do an inventory of your privilege. And it, that doesn't mean you're going to get everything the first time you go through it. But if you keep doing it and you keep drilling down further, we're looking at in what ways are we privileged? And then we can turn around and look at how am I uniquely positioned to be able to do something that is helpful and proactive. Yeah. And and then we, maybe we want to check it out with a few other people and find out if it is actually helpful and proactive. But oh, absolutely. But we can't do anything until we know what our privilege is. And it's so much easier for us to focus on the ways in which we have been victimized. Mm-hmm. Uh, than to focus on the ways in which we are privileged and we have power and and we can figure out how to use that power better. Well, I believe we have run to the end of our time today, but it went by fast. When you're full of passion and full of resources, it went by fast. Yes, yes. and we're just scratching the surface. Oh, really? So onward and upward. We will continue learning. We hope that you will too. And until next week. I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep, yep. Oh, ah, 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 ah. Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo